Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. talk. It's the very first episode, and I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, so thanks for joining us, and thanks for downloading. I know that that took a little bit of an effort, so thank you, and I hope you will subscribe at the end of this and enjoy more podcast episodes to come. I hope you'll rate me on iTunes, and I hope you will also give me a comment. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear anymore. Tell me what you thought was funny. Tell me what you thought was interesting. Um, so yeah, let me just tell you a little bit about, uh, what this show is going to be or what my hope for this show will be is that I want to talk about everything, everything that interests me and everything that interests my friends. And there'll be people on this show with me, my friends, my people, or maybe even some fascinating strangers. We'll talk about what's in the news. We'll talk about what's in pop culture. We'll talk about what's on TV. We'll talk about other podcasts. We'll talk about funny stories or interesting stories or sad stories about things that happen to us in our lives. And I get it. You're asking what makes this different than the hundreds of other podcasts that do that? Well... In short, the answer is me. This is my podcast, Kyle Leon Henderson. And what that means is that this is my home. This podcast represents the conversations I have on a daily basis. And I consider those conversations to be my home. I live in that space. And what do you do in your home? You let your hair down. You let the ugly hang out. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be honest. No matter what, this is going to be honest. And so, for starters, the honesty that I want to give you today is just to tell you a little bit about me. Well, I was born and raised in a small, small community in Alabama, just south of the Tennessee Valley. And it's about an hour north of Birmingham, And my family was very interesting. I didn't realize it growing up, but I had a very interesting family. My cousins and I were much, much closer than what I saw other families being close. We were all like siblings, and we would all go to our grandparents' house and play in the yard, and we would play, you know baseball and volleyball and all the, you know, just all the, all the sports. And, and we were around that our whole lives. But what else is interesting is that my maternal grandmother passed away before I was born and my grandfather was remarried not long after. And about seven years before I was born, they had another baby. There's actually grandchildren that are older than their uncle. That's really a weird way to grow up, I guess. But it was just all that we had that was normal. But what else was interesting was that my entire family was pretty much Democrat when I was growing up. Being in Alabama, that 
is weird, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that most of Alabama was Republican. So I grew up in a world very, very different than even the world that was around me. I grew up just knowing where I stood with politics. And then there's also the element of religion. Yes, I was raised religious. I was Church of Christ, which, if you know anything about that, is a pretty conservative Protestant Christian church. And interestingly enough, I kind of feel like the church I grew up in was a little bit liberal. They were very cognizant and very... um, aware of the need to serve other people. They always were helping people. They weren't really they weren't really screaming fire and brimstone like some of the other southern churches were. They were they were talking about service to God and they were talking about giving your life to God and stuff like that, but they weren't talking so much about fire and brimstone. Um so it was kind of peaceful growing up. But I went to high school um, in the same place that my parents went and my parents' parents went. Um, I'd, I'd never really been on an airplane before I was 18. I got on an airplane and I went to Europe. And then a year later, I moved to Los Angeles. See, I was the youngest of all the kids. And I guess, I don't know. I don't know if it was just a sense that I didn't quite fit in or all the action had happened before I came along. And by the time I was old enough to be a part of the action, it just felt like it was almost over and everybody was getting married and moving on. And I guess I felt like I needed to find my way, but I knew, I knew from day one that I wanted to be on television that's all I ever wanted. And I still do want to be on television. I'm I'm older now, but that's still something I'd like to do. But, you know, you got to deal with what life gives you. And life gave me a lot to deal with in a lot of ways. Because I'll skip right ahead to the happy ending of the story. I have met the love of my life and I want to spend the rest of my life with him. But being in Alabama, you heard the keyword him. That can get complicated, even for Democrats in Alabama, for Christians who live in Alabama, it can get complicated. And that's what I'm living with. And I think that might've been, I, I never was really aware that that's what I was looking for, but that might've been what I was looking for. And so I went out to seek it. I went to Paris, and then I came back. A year later, I moved to Los Angeles at the age of 19. I didn't finish school. I lived there about a year or so, and then I moved back to Alabama. But this time I went to Birmingham. I went to UAB. I got my history degree. I got a bachelor's in history. And that's when I met my partner, Ethan. And then... We had been, I lived in Birmingham for five years, and then we decided to move to New York, and that's where I live now. Here's where it gets complicated for me. I turned 30 in just a few days. I'm kind of nervous. And I know some people say it's not a big deal, 
But it is a big deal. Here's why it's a big deal. Because on paper, I have a history degree. I have a partner. I am living in New York City. Things should be really well for me. But they're not. Because I feel like I'm out of place. And I suspect that other people feel that way too. I suspect this. I suspect that people have a life where there's the pieces there, but no matter how much you arrange them and rearrange them, they just don't seem to quite fit. There are certain things that I want to keep, and then there's certain things that I think I might need to throw away. But what are those things? I don't know. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm sitting right now. And that's where this conversation begins. Because that's the difference between this podcast and other podcasts who are doing pretty much the same thing. I'm starting right here inside of me. And I'm going to talk about what's on my mind. I'm going to talk about what I am going through. I'm going to share all the details because this isn't my first podcast. I did one last year, too. It was called Kyle's Friends Are Funny. Don't try to search for it because you're not going to find it. Because this podcast, We Need to Talk, lives in the same space that Kyle's Friends Are Funny used to live. I disassembled it and I reassembled it. But that's the thing. I feel like I've done that a lot in my life. Disassemble and reassemble. I disassembled my life in Alabama to move to L.A., And then I tried that for a while, and then I disassembled that life to move back to Alabama. I completed college, and then I disassembled my life in Alabama again and moved to New York. And now I'm staring at 30, and I feel like there's not a lot of substance in my life. And I think I'm wrong. I think there's a lot of substance in my life, but I also think that being sort of smack dab in the middle of the millennial age. Um, there's a lot of pressure from outside. But then again, I don't think it has to do with anything. I don't think it has anything to do with being a millennial because I know lots of people who are older than the millennial age and they're struggling. I think that... It's just a human struggle to look around you and know that you're smarter than some people or or you're more talented than some people or that you have worked harder than some people and they seem to be getting rewarded and you don't. But that's my truth. I feel like I'm missing something. And for a while... I thought it was just investment. I thought the problem was that I hadn't stayed anywhere long enough to invest. Well, I've been in New York for four years now. And I'm on the search for a new job. Oh, because, by the way, I'm not working in any kind of field that I like. I am working as a retail manager. I've been doing that for four years. And it it's kind of... I mean, I'll say it. It's kind of embarrassing to have had a college degree and working retail. I make pretty good money. I won't lie. 
I do. It kept me afloat here in New York. But I'm ready for something with substance. And I'm ready to not work so hard physically because I work hard physically because I work at Times Square. I work in retail at Times Square. That's all I'm going to say for now. But that's where I'm sitting, and that's my truth. So, have I thoroughly depressed you yet? It's fine, because I'm not really depressed. On a daily basis, I'm pretty happy. I, I watch television. I read a lot of books. I listen to podcasts. What's my favorite? Well, besides, we need to talk. My favorite is Throwing Shade with Aaron Gibson and Brian Safi. They had a show on on. TV land a while back. Um, yeah, that's my favorite. My favorite book, probably The Alchemist. My favorite television show right now, definitely This Is Us. It's phenomenal. But I also am kind of an old man. I really like Madam Secretary. Um, where did I fall on the side of politics? I'll go ahead and put it out there. I am a Democrat, still. Duh. I voted for Hillary. And that's kind of an understatement. I didn't just vote for Hillary. I campaigned for her. I didn't just campaign for Hillary. I became an evangelist for her. I lived that campaign in a lot of ways. I know there were people who worked harder than me, but I did. I lived that campaign. And I was devastated the night that the campaign ended, the election results were in, and they didn't go the way I wanted them to. But here's why, if you're a Republican, please don't turn it away. Here's why you'll want to stay. Because I love to talk to Republicans. I feel like that's how we're going to get to the future. We got to come together. And you can ask my friend Lauren Hathcock, someone who I went to school with. We went to church together. Actually, interesting story, Lauren Hathcock and I were baptized on the same day. Um, And Lauren is, she was not a straight Republican. She's not a strict Republican per se. I hope to have her on the show very soon so she can talk about it herself. But we don't agree on politics fully. We actually disagree on a lot, but she and I have the best conversations. I'm someone who is going to listen to you and is going to respect you no matter your political beliefs, and I expect the same in return. And honestly, I feel like this world feels like politics are everywhere, and it's everything. It is all of your identity. I want that to stop. But it is part of my identity, so I have to put that out here. And I hope that if you are Republican, you will join the conversation through Facebook, through Instagram, through Twitter, through iTunes reviews, and and live in your truth. Be a Republican. Show up as a Republican. I will come continue the conversations on the show because we're all one world. One tiny little speck of dust in this great big universe. Things aren't that complicated that we can't find something to agree upon. But, oh, yeah, I got one more thing. Something that can make Democrats and Republicans hate me 
alike. Yeah, I voted for Hillary. But guess what? I voted for Hillary over Barack Obama in 2008. Yeah, I did. I really, really, really like Obama. I love Obama. He was the greatest president of the 21st century. And I would say one of the top 10, maybe top five presidents of all time. Love him. But I voted for Hillary. I don't regret it either. I think that she should have been president. But you want to know something else that drives me bananas? Is the fact that we did not stop for 2.3 seconds to celebrate the fact that she was the first female to hold a major political party's nomination for president. We didn't even acknowledge that hardly. I guess we felt that the work was too important to stop and celebrate until we were finished. But now we can celebrate, and that's what I do celebrate, is that, that moment. Because she said we put 18 million cracks in that glass ceiling in 2008. Well, she didn't break the the glass ceiling, but she put 65 million more cracks in that glass ceiling. And here's my only hope. My only hope now is that Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton lives long enough to kiss the face of the first female president. That is my hope. Now, where was I? As you can see, I go on tangents. And this is not going to be a show where I just talk to you for an hour. No, I'm not... I'm not that kind of person. I need someone to talk to. But who? Well, it's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be people I do know. It's going to be people that I might not know so well. I'm actually pursuing some pretty famous people or some pretty interesting people that I don't know already. But for today, I'm starting a little closer to home. I have my best friend in the world, Sarah Cooper, sitting with me. And to give you a little bit of information about Sarah, she loves animals, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, And in college, she was such a feminist that she wrote the Dr. Pepper Company a letter letting them know that the Diet Dr. Pepper ad on television was incredibly misogynistic. So, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee, and then I'll be right back with Sarah Cooper. Okay, we're back, and I have someone very special, my best friend in all the world. We used to live together, which resulted in her almost not being my best friend in all the world, (laughs) but this is the one person on the planet who knows all the secrets. It's Sarah! Something that we always do. Are you okay? No, I popped my knuckle. The the mic can probably hear that. (laughs) Mike, the mic hears all. Eventually, Benny over there, he'll come be a part of it. I have a cat named Benny, and he... What's his full name? Benjamin Edgarham Henderson, but we call him Benny. (laughs) Because he had to have his father's names, and he had to have a first and middle name. That were significant. That were significant, and they meant something to us. And so we gave him Benjamin and... Edgar. Because Major Dork, why? (laughs) I have a history degree, Benjamin Franklin, and 
a, an author that Ethan and I could both agree on mm-hmm. was one of our favorites was Edgar Allan Poe. So it's Benjamin Edgar Ham Henderson, but we call him Benny. Mm-hmm. And he's a mischievous little butt. To say the least. To say the least. It's okay. My cats have theme names, too. Right. What are your cats' names? My tuxedo that I got when we lived together was Elphaba, which is the Wicked Witch of the West from Wicked. Actually, her full name is what? Alpha Bellatrix. (laughs) Elphaba Bellatrix Cooper. And then Sweeney is Sweeney for Sweeney Todd, and he's a flame point, and he's flaming. (laughs) Yes. Well, and see, and that's the thing, too. You have, <clears throat> your your life is kind of in, permeated with pop culture. You have oh. the Frankenfurter tattoo. Uh, and, the Wicked tattoo, which was my, tattoo. and my uh, Cher Needles gothic drag queen out of Pittsburgh tattoo. Yeah, which says, when in doubt, freak them out. And then I have my literary tattoo for my English degree, which is a John Milton quote from his play Comus. See, I don't even think I know about that one. Oh, it says, thou canst not touch the freedom of my mind. I think I, knew, I feel like I knew about it, but then, you know, it's oh, yeah. like, did I, did, but you've got more tattoos. Oh, yeah. Than, now I've got my. Because you got the, what is it? The, I've got the, the horseshoe seahorse, which is for my aunt and uncle who passed away four months apart. My aunt was an avid horse rider. My uncle was a scuba diver. And there's a seahorse statue with their ashes in it uh, sunk into the man-made reef down in Florida. Really? Like both of their ashes are, are mixed in together. the seahorse sculpture. Like and are they just in the same urn? Well, well no, it's in, in the same this, it's in the vessel. Sc- it's actually in the sculpture, like really? mixed in, yeah. So it was like mixed with the wet sculpting yeah. paste. So they are the sculpture. Yeah, and then now. there's a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote on it. And it's on the on the statue. And you can go scuba dive down. Are you serious? I never knew oh, that. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Uh, yeah. Surprise! Ah! And then I have my, my uh, feminist, most recent feminist tattoo. Well, and that's well, and that's the thing too. That's the interesting thing about Linda. I knew Linda, mm-hmm. and like I, I mean, I guess I don't realize until I stop to think about it that I didn't really know her that well. Like yeah. I, I didn't know her for that long. Yeah. But, I, but she came into my life through you, and she, yeah. you even gave me a piece of jewelry from her estate. Mm. That was yeah. her estate collection, and I wear it a lot. It's because it's a Mickey watch, right? And so I think I'd like. She's with me a lot, oh, yeah. and like, she's because she's with. I mean, she's oh, yeah. with you. She's she would if the cancer didn't kill her. This past election would have killed her. Oh yeah, she would drop dead <laughs> right, right on the spot. <laughs> she would right on the spot. <laughs> and we're kind of our family jokes, and that if you don't know humor and death, you wouldn't get it. Our family jokes that we're kind of glad she's not here because we would all want to kill her for her opinions because she would be oh, so yeah. enraged 24-7. Right, you would... You she would, would I she would, would never stop the, hearing about Donald Trump. She would give the family aneurysms just having to think about Donald Trump for so much. Yeah. But that's what I said, too. My grandfather and my grandmother, who were both super huge Democrats, they both died during the Obama administration, as did Linda. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, I've always said, I'm so glad that my grandfather passed away during a Democratic administration and uh, and what and such a beautiful one too. Yeah. So, but yeah, will beat the Obamas. But that's so neat. So there is that a thing that everybody like a lot of people do. The man that? made made. I don't know a lot about it. it. Was one of her friends was our connection to it who lived down in Florida. It's a man made reef for scuba divers, and there's a lot of different things sunk there. Um, I don't know how many of them are memorials or that have ashes in them, or just memorials that are sunk there for people on behalf of people. Uh-huh. So it's uh, basically an underwater sculpture garden is the best way for me to describe it. I don't scuba dive. That's 
listening. I don't trust. But would you to go back and see it? I would for that. Or is there any way for people who don't scuba dive to see? We have photos of of it taken from underwater. Oh yeah. Um, I don't trust the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Or the air, the ocean or the air. I I like to be on the ground. Don't put me in. (laughs) I fly. To get to a destination, um, I don't enjoy flying. I'm sure the woman beside me thought there's something wrong with me because I kept staring at out her window because the woman because I was on the center aisle and the woman on our window was just a third party didn't know. So there was three seats. Yeah, we were three wide, and my mom was in the middle because I wanted to be on the aisle because my anxiety, which I'll talk. about. I always fly. I always sit on the aisle. I'm like, <laughs> I will get up for you no matter what, but I be I need to be able to get up myself to run to the in, bathroom in a, a rural if in you're it. scared. Which exactly, is my, exactly. In a moment, don't make notice. me climb over you because I will do it. <laughs> well, I the first time I was ever on a window seat, it was from Germany to Chicago. Well, that's not a long and flight I was, at all, <laughs> right? And so, and this man kept pull, reclining his seat on me, and then I was sitting next to a heavy set woman, so I was just like. Barricaded. People are in. touching me. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was. It was not. And that was one of those flights where you're in a big group, but nobody in your group sitting near anybody. Which I and I hate that. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really neat. That I didn't know yeah. that about Linda. That makes yeah. me. That touches my heart oh, because yeah. I love Linda. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and um, the quote from Ralph Waldo and Emerson is long, but it's basically life's not meant. You're not here to be happy. You're here to be productive you're here to be a part of the world you know like mm. your mission in life is not just to be happy it's to be part of the world you know and yeah and gay you know and all this stuff it's on my instagram i can't i don't have it memorized i'll look it's it way up too long <laughs> i'll uh, i'll look it up later and i'll put it somewhere yeah we, put it on the website yeah. or something it seems like we always have so much to catch up on well, because news happens all that i'm sure that i'm sure the world has ended three times since we've been at church because we've not been on our phone today i know the world's ended three times and i'm about to disable my facebook just because of how negative everything's gotten honestly like for about a week and a half I was just like I want to turn it off I don't want to have to engage I don't want to, have to see I don't want to have to share and type amen if you believe anymore I just want positivity right back. oh my gosh well I mean do, do you see a lot of like Trump support and I have like, a lot of people that share stuff from the President Trump Facebook page I've never had anyone outright say what do they do I don't know I, I go past them because I don't want to hate the people I, I'm around the, all reason, the, time. the reason I say that is because like during the election I mean I've already explained that I was very 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 staunchly for Hillary mm-hmm. and I was po- I would post things and I would say things pro Hillary negative or you know con Trump. Trump and that would and and that's the thing that about me with my personal Facebook page I say it to start a conversation that is respectful mm-hmm. for all parties right that is how that's where I sit and we did mm-hmm. and we and people did have a rebuttal and we would go back and forth but respectfully after the after the election is over that still happened after the inauguration it started to trickle off to the point where now I'll post something and no one will respond yeah. and so I'm it's like dead silence yeah. for me for but I have a lot of Republican friends that live in Alabama mm-hmm. and we're friends on Facebook, and but they're dead silent. So it's funny to me to think that you actually do live in Alabama and you're a Democrat, but the people are still talking down there to people. I mean, you know people that I don't know, apparently. Oh, God, yeah. That you know that's well, like talking. They don't, they haven't really <laughs> shared anything positive about. That I paid to, again, I don't pay attention. I had to, like, unfollow several people because it's like, I love you too much as a person to, A, know you voted for him, and two, to see you're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't follow, like, and closely pay attention. 
Um, like, and even other people I've encountered who have to utilize government assistance, whether it's disability, workman's comp, right. EBT cards. I'm like, you're voting for a person who's going to strip all that away I mean, from that's you. All, I mean, I that is everything the Republican, rich Republicans are against, particularly the old money, old school, white, rich Republicans. Uh-huh. They're against all the, you know, government assistance that you all utilize. Right. <laughs> He's he not does, for any of he it. He doesn't match any of the four sort of main He's categories. He's getting a paid vacation. And that's the thing. That's what makes me mad. He goes to Mar-a-Lago or wherever he does. And that's the thing. Like, when you when uh, people don't understand this, this pisses me off so bad. That, like, when Obama would visit, he would be very mindful of where he was visiting and why. And, like... If he needed to go to the state of Illinois for some reason, mm-hmm. he would make sure that his home base in that state was a place that needed economic boosts mm-hmm. because he knew that people would flock to him yeah. to see him from anywhere that was drivable. Mm-hmm. And they would, when they get there, they're going to eat in the restaurants and they're going to buy gas from right. the gas stations and they're going to, and that, that really does help. Oh, it makes a place that has has a little bit of an economic slump, and that's the thing. Donald Trump goes to his own companies and pays, and people will pay, and people to sit follow with, him, and they give money to him to sit there with him and to right. get inside. I'm like, that's if anyone else did that, it's morally reprehensible and just fiscally responsible. Well, and the whole the I mean, we'll people talk, don't we don't talk about it in no. this country, but the whole system is designed. To benefit him. Oh yeah. At well, this point. the same reason the Secret Service had to travel with his sons for their their personal business for, trips. That was in Aspen for skiing. Yeah, I mean it's, it's obscene. You know, God forbid, every time Obama went to Hawaii, he was wasting taxpayer dollars. Right. And I'm and like, you're such it. hypocrites. Just because this orange tangerine is doing it, you're <laughs> you're mad the black man did Although, it. Although that is the one consolation for me that Obama went to Hawaii and there are pictures that surfaced of him shirtless. Trump we, doesn't do that. We don't have to see him. to see him shirtless. I don't want to. I, I, he can't be my president unless oh my I see God, him shirtless. Oh my God, can you imagine? I think it's only fair. Right? We saw his wife shirtless. Well, we saw her more than shirtless. <laughs> and again, I, I don't like using that as a bust against her because as a feminist, do what you want with your body. Well, if it's your consent. Now, is it weird to me that I have seen the first lady naked? Yes. I, we can talk politics I, all I was about to say, we can talk politics all day. So I think I'm going to just, and I told them that I don't, that I told them, I say them, the people that are listening. I You and said, me listening later when it's done. Right, <laughs> you and me because we're our only listeners right now. But I said at the top, I don't want everything to be about political identity and Minute one, we started with political identity. First 20 minutes. <laughs> so, how about we take a little coffee break, and then we'll talk about some other things, like... Other un- political stuff. <laughs> like United Airways, or... Sesame Street! Sesame Street! Oh, yeah, we've got Survivor. T- oh, yeah, I gotta... Oh, yeah, that's mine. I've gotta tell you about Survivor. But we'll talk about that okay. when we come back. Question. This mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Why do you have a display of cologne bottles on your TV stand? Okay, so <laughs> that's that's the bane of Ethan's existence. So you left it there to annoy him. <laughs> well, no, because I can't throw something away. Oh, I know. <laughs> Look around you. You're. I lived my... with you. I know exactly what. Listen, this the puzzle. Is... <laughs> The great puzzle that you never glued together and hung up. The puzzle you left on my counter for a year. 
Uh, yeah, that was that rolled was in a blanket, <laughs> brought from the new old apartment to the new. So house. like, <laughs> I, no, it actually was not from the old apartment. It was from the dorm to the old apartment to the house. Honey, this is your intervention. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So I lived in the dorm my senior year, and then halfway through my senior year, I moved to an apartment by myself. And I was not finished with this blanket. So my mother and I... No, it was a puzzle. I mean, the blanket. Yeah, the puzzle. Puzzle. My mother and I moved it, wrapped in a a blanket to my new apartment. I unrolled it, put it back together a little bit, worked on it a little more. And I think I finished it. You did finish it. But And then so I rolled it up again. And then it got to... I lived in that apartment for a year. Mm-hmm. You lived and, in that house for 13 months. And then I moved to the house for 13 months. We, and then and finally. sat on that bay. Do you know where it is now? It's probably still rolled in a blanket somewhere. No, it's in the garbage. Did you even glue it together? That's why not. you wanted to save it. To I glue it together to put in a frame. I was so proud of the fact that I, like, there was this moment in my life where Oh, you everything, was everything was puzzles. <laughs> but do you remember the one night that like six people came over and we all drank wine and we worked on that puzzle, that Alice in Wonderland puzzle? I don't think I. I think I was a viewer, spectator. And not you, a yeah, you were drinking wine, but you did not try, help with the puzzle. You know what at I remember all. even better? What? When we played Monopoly, drinking wine in the dark, and I had a headlamp on. No, you had the headlamp on. Oh, that was my invention when my mom was in the black. No, wait, no. I invented it that night, and I did it with my mom later. Oh. The point is the puzzle that lived on that banister bench for, like, a 13 months. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was... <laughs> that. But that's the thing. That's where it kind of started, was I, I don't want to throw things away. But not, not like, garbage. I'm not, like, saving newspapers and, like, old dirty diapers like <laughs> people on hoarders. stories. That are I mean, why would I even save dirty diapers? I don't have a baby, nor do I have... Maybe you have something we need to know issues. about. No, I don't. Um, but like, just go to go to church and be like, Has "Anybody got a baby? I need dirty diapers. It's for sculpture. <laughs> it's for my bathroom. I'm trying to get on hoarders. It's my big break. <laughs> it's my big break. Well, if it works for Honey Boo Boo and Jersey Shore and Mom's, okay. you know, my mom's favorite, The Real Housewives. The Real Housewives. Those are her friends. Oh my God, these are my ladies. <laughs> uh, well, you and I. We have the same one. We watched the Kardashians. That was our guilty pleasure at one point in our life. I watched snippets of YouTube's of the Kardashians. I can't commit to a full episode anymore. Oh, I watched all of Caitlyn Jenner, though. Like, hold on. Let me tell you the bottles. The bottles (laughs) are because they were given to me as a gift. A gift. And I'm a gift. They were a gift for me. Inside joke, guys. You're not invited. (laughs) You're not invited to this. But, and I can't, and Ethan's like, you never wear them. I'm like, but I'm gonna. And I still have Have you even smelled them? I've smelled them. Do they smell nice? They're all right. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't throw them away because they're a gift. But no. um, I'm sure your friends will understand. I did. I watched all of Caitlyn Jenner. I will tell you, I had some issues with her when she came out as a Republican because I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, here's my thing. What are you doing? Why was that a surprise? This was a, at the time, a rich, established white man. Yeah. In California, who's probably never had a struggle except for this candy. internal struggle of, you know, that he's fought against himself, herself now. Um, I'm trying to not rattle this. So, to me, it wasn't really truly that remark. Like, it was disappointing the fact that they're like, 
the, when she had that big thing of, Donald, talk to me. I'll tell you about trans rights. I'm like, sweetheart. He don't care. He don't care. And you're the last person that needs to be talking about the struggle because, right. honestly, the the women of, the trans people of color have, you know, have a mm-hmm. big issue. You know, the violence against trans women particularly is... Un, you know, unspeakable and mm-hmm. is unacknowledged to how bad it truly is. So to me, your flippant tweet helps no one in your community. Well, and I do see a two sides to it because on one hand, you cannot provide a an accurate... Was that your coffee or the that's house the, burning down? That's the coffee. <laughs> but look at my cat sitting on the refrigerator. This life I have here, guys. No, Caitlyn Jenner, she cannot portray or give anybody an example of a typical journey of a trans woman or man yeah. because she decided that it was time in her heart and that is a struggle that, that is hard but the second she decided that she went straight to the doctor had her surgeries got her hormones, hormones and there was, was no done. struggle to get it done it was done i mean that interview came out and then how many days later did they shoot that cover of vanity fair well and that's, but the thing too is, my, I see two sides to the coin because there is a service that's being provided here for the social justice of it all that we are seeing her looking beautiful. And mm-hmm. that will help some people who just cannot understand yeah. it. That it's like, okay, she's there, she's here, mm-hmm. she's we're seeing her, she's yeah. part of our world, just like the Kardashians, for Christ's sake, why are they part of our world? But <laughs> she's here, she's in our world, and we're seeing her, and yeah. that's that's a good thing, I, that she's got, like Laverne Cox, and yeah. To me, Laverne Chaz. Cox is a way, and Chaz Bona are way better examples, even though they still... I think Laverne Cox does not, I mean, I don't she know. She doesn't get the respect she deserves. She does not get the credit, she, because no. she's a phenomenal actress, and, and not, a beautiful person. And a beautiful Inside speaker and, and you know right now that's what the I mean eloquence because to me that's you know like Chaz Bono to me his story was more relatable in the sense that mm-hmm. this was someone you grew up and wa- you know the universe already knew who that we knew, was yeah we knew, we knew her Ch- we knew Chaz when before. she was a boy when she wait we know we knew him when he was a girl. Yeah, before. And, and you as a were child. there with me. Were you there with me when we saw him speak no. live? He was in Birmingham once. Well, that's and we and I did a book signing him. for him because when I was working for the bookstore. <laughs> oh, that's a whole story that'll come later. Um, but yeah, I did a book signing for him. He was so nice. Yeah. I got pictures with him. He signed my books. Yeah. But no, he really was. And, he, and I love that he still makes lesbian jokes. Oh yeah. Because that was a huge part of his life for first forty years. Oh, yeah. Um. But yeah, so I see two sides of it, mm-hmm. but what the disconnect for me is with Caitlyn, she wants to be more relevant than she is to the struggle. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're not. You're relevant to trans people in America, but you're not relevant right. to the trans struggle. Right. That's it's, just how it is. You, how do you actively support a party that stands for everything, right. against everything you are? Bathroom, you know, bathroom bills, marriage, health bill, you know, mm-hmm. insurance, all that stuff. You have so much access to. You right. know, you've had no struggle with paying for your surgery, getting your hormones, having a doctor do it for you. There are people that get denied that. Mm-hmm. And so how because do you, you because certain insurances will not do any of it, mm-hmm. not a thing, because it's not essential to life. Right. They don't. It's not essential to you to for your heart to keep beating. Right. For this to happen, so and that's what some insurances. Focus on. But, speaking of trans, this is a brilliant segue. To what you really want to talk about. Because you... (laughs) 
I burst your bubble, and I'm you, sorry. Well, you make this joke every year, the the fall season returns, and you ask me if Mark Burnett has called me this year yet. And the reason you do that is because... You're the last person in the universe that watches Survivor. And now it's relevant again. Did you see the did you see the clip? I watched I read the article, then I saw the clip. And I'm gonna get the people's names wrong involved because I didn't pay that Hold much on. attention. I have, I've got it all here. I've got all of it where's, here. Where's the, the spreadsheet? So that's the thing. The, this current season was all returning people because for the millionth time for the millionth time because you you get on the show and you make your life out of it until you win you'll keep coming back to you win but here's the deal like the players the main players here are Jeff Varner who was in the second was it second season i think it was the second season of survivor and what's funny about him he's gay and the very first winner of Survivor was gay back in 2000, which was just like this... I mean, it was the dawn of the new century, Mm -hmm. the new millennium, and this this game show or this, like... It was a game show. It was, well, a a competition show Mm -hmm. that... It just rocked the nation. We'd never seen anything like it. Fascinating. It was fascinating. I watched that season. and, And, you know, Varner was on the second season, and he was the... The, the liberal gay from the South mm-hmm. and everything. So that was so that's what's weird about this yeah. whole thing. Now, Zeke made his debut on the Millennials versus Gen X, but now they're on now there's a season of game changers who everybody here mm-hmm. has been here before. So you know how the game is played. You've done it two at le- this is at least your second time. Mm-hmm. Some of which some of them we've known they are the maybe the third or even fourth yeah. time. And we're sitting in tribal council and Zeke who is a transgender man mm-hmm. in his Gen X or his Gen X versus Millennials season? He never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Never was talked about. Never was he a thing. He specifically said he did not want to be the token trans character. Well, and you know, and that's the thing. When do you get to not come out as I was once a woman man? You know what I mean? Yeah. When do you get to not do that? So he he just never did that. And Varner, that's the thing. Jeff Varner was a very um, strategic and. Very, he's always been a controversial person, mm-hmm. towing the line, sometimes playing double agent. But this time he took it to a place that no one's ever gone before, yeah. which is he was, he was, because that's the thing. If you, I don't, do you remember Survivor? Oh gosh, yeah. So, like, there becomes alliances, and if the numbers get imbalanced between the two different groups, you jump back and forth. If you're, if your group is in the minority, there's a venture, and they, and you can't cause a friction or, a fragmented mm-hmm. space within the big group, they're going to pick you off one by one. And that's what they did this season. And Varner was the last one. Uh, He's throwing a Hail Mary trying because they've picked off all of his friends. He's got no alliance left. But he's made, but that's the thing. You live on this space with these people, so you have a, a social mm-hmm. aspect of it that has nothing to do with the game. But then there's the game mm-hmm. aspect of get inside your psychological head. And he had been talking to Zeke. And apparently Zeke had kind of divulged to this other LGBTQ person mm-hmm. on the island, I'm trans. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't talked about it with anybody else. And Varner comes out and says that He's there's lying. some deception here, deeply deceived. You're all being deeply deceived. And the whole world and everybody thinks that it's going to be about the game, like somebody's playing a double agent like yeah. you do on the game. And then he l- looks at Zeke and says, why have you not told them that you're trans? 
You can't all lie to these the people, people. All the people start crying. Jeff Probst is like clutching his pearls. He couldn't believe Jeff it. Jeff Probst could not believe he just, the shot. I mean, that guy's seen some crazy shit on that show. Excuse my French. I'm sorry, guys. I'm classy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, Jeff Probst has seen it all. He's yeah. been there for thir- this is the 34th season. And you've watched all 34? I have. <laughs> Like personal aspect, and I'll tell you, I was getting to the point where I was going to stop watching because I joined late, and that's why it was still so fascinating to me because the the element of the game that attracted all of the world mm-hmm. to this game is still there, and I didn't jump on board right when the world did. So it's new to me, and so it was fascinating, just like it was the world. It's but mm-hmm. after you've watched it enough, it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, and for me, I have two separate instances in my life where I am fortunate, not like necessarily have been the Jeff Farner, but have had the same mindset that he has that not come out and not coming out to people is lying to them, which is not true. I mean, you remember that time we went to Coleman and I, my anxiety overtook because I thought I was going to out you the entire time right. we were visiting yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was so terrified of it because I was like, I do not need to be that person accident. And right. that would be accidental. Well, and that's and not that's intentional. The thing. Here's the thing too. I will say this for the record. When I, before I had come out for anything and I was essentially straight and dating women or whatever, I had a friend come out to me and I, the anxiety of being found out yourself leads you to do things. And I did. I told other people about him Mm -hmm. and I outed him to other people. And I feel bad about that. And we're friends to this day because we've, we've squelched that, but that's the thing. People do it all the time, and that is a bad thing. But to do and, it in front of millions of people and the manipulation factor, and to right, they, and it wasn't just a whisper to someone else to be like, "But don't tell him," because yeah. that's how everybody does it. He's gay, but don't tell anybody, mm-hmm. or he's, he's trans, trans don't, don't tell anybody, anybody, or whatever. Yeah. But to do it on TV. out loud in front of this group to to hey. manipulate, not even to to manipulate the game but in your favor, to- but to manipulate other people's minds about something that has nothing to do about the game to try to use it against it in a in that, a in that way is it's a very big weapon yeah and the other I was going to tell you the other story this was before I don't even think you know this one I learned the hard hard way from my best my other best friend in the entire universe about how like being any part of the, any part of a non-heteronormative lifestyle right. doesn't mean you're lying to people. Because one time in jest, I said to Alex, mm-hmm. um, I said, oh, you used to lie to me about your sexuality. And I was being funny, but I was also 16 in high school and stupid. Right. And I learned the hard way, that's not a joke. That's not funny because I'm accusing you because you didn't come out to me sooner you were lying to me when you really you're developing your own identity in the midst of it. Well, and that's when you're supposed to make those mistakes yeah. when you're 16. This man is 51 years old and a member of the LGBTQ you community. You should know better. You should know better. You should know. And he's Southern. He's from North Carolina. Then he should have some You should that know you... exactly how that feels oh, to absolutely. be closeted. Absolutely. And sometimes South Carolina is worse off than Alabama. And he tried to tell everybody on on the panel and Jeff and everything. I thought you knew. And like he, well, he's like, no, don't paint me to be somebody I'm not. It's like, well, we're not. You're somebody who outs people when it behooves you. Just, you know, dig that grave deeper, bro. Right. And Jeff, and that was, and to Jeff Probst's credit, like in the very, very beginning, Mm -hmm. he was a faithful observer. Mm -hmm. He would observe. Now he does not. He. He'll tell you like he he does not let you get away. He does yeah. not let allow. He does not allow 
the tribe to hold you accountable. He's like a journalist in this situation yeah. at a at a presidential debate or something. Yeah. He's going to hold you accountable. And he said, "No, Jeff Varner, you cannot unring that bell. Yeah, you he, just outed Zeke." Yeah. And at the end, he still got off the island. For, I know that, right? Well, that's the point. That in the end, Je- they they're going back and forth, and the girls are yelling at him. And then there's the uh, and this girl's like, "I can't believe you." Um, you you just did that. Mm-hmm. You, it wasn't, and he goes, it was just to show the manipulation factor in there. And everybody was like, no, that had nothing to do with the game. Yeah. The only thing that we should be informed of manipulation is if Zeke's looking to flip. Yeah. And go on with another, Str- yeah. with a different alliance. That's the only manipulation that we should be informed about in this in this situation. And you shouldn't do that. Yeah. So they wouldn't let him do it. And then this beautiful, I forget what the girl's name is, but the beautiful girl from Kansas. She's from a Midwestern town. And she's out I'm from a farm area. And she goes, I... I'm not in a big city like mm-hmm. this. I come, I grew up in the rural area, and she goes, I was not around people like Zeke mm-hmm. or people like even you, Jeff mm-hmm. Varner, uh, of the LGBT community. There were there was no diversity. It wasn't that I didn't want to be around it. It's just that they weren't there. Mm-hmm. And she said over the course of these, whatever, 21 days or however mm-hmm. long they've been there, she said, I've gotten to know Zeke, and I love, and she said, I am so proud of mm-hmm. all of us for just, She said, I'm just happy that I got to know this person and it changed me, who I am, towards these people because I now have an experience Mm -hmm. to set my gauge. And she said, and and to know that you hurt him. Mm -hmm. And she's just bawling. And she's like, to know that you hurt him like this, it just breaks my heart. And that's when he's like trying to like not make himself be painted as a villain. But... You did, you opened your mouth. I mean... Well, and you know, and he was already a... A polarizing character in his first season because he'll be back for he the next. Did one stuff then. like this? He did like yeah. He did deign to speak on behalf of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. which at the time we didn't even call it that because it was so early in the the time when people were living mm-hmm. on television. We didn't yeah. we, we didn't even have the language to call it that, but he did sort of deign to speak for, on behalf of people that sort of didn't sit yeah. well with a lot of people. But now, I mean, and that's the thing, because you're out there, you're doing it, mm-hmm. it's forgivable. But this, do you think yeah. it's forgivable? I, I, as far as, I mean, to me, I read the tweets, I read the Instagram posts between them. Again, you can't undo something you've done. That's not something you can take back, especially on that level. When someone, especially when the producers knew a Zeke's story, but mm-hmm. he said, I don't want to be that to be my story. Right. I don't, really that's, and I think as far as television goes, that's really the direction they need to head is to have trans characters, but to being trans is not their only story. I mean, their only lifeline, you know, the, that's the thing. So when you're a television producer, if you, I mean, if you've got that on, I, I, I have faith that they didn't do this. But if you know this person is trans and they said, I don't want to make this about that. I don't want it to be Mm -hmm. here. I don't want any of this to be about me being trans. Mm -hmm. Me as a producer, I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to put you on because that might come out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good television. That's, that's your job doing your job. Someone who has a secret that might come out. 
That's Organic, your diversity. Organically, I do not believe CBS or Survivor manipulated that to come out, but they knew they wanted it to. Vent- well, I mean, they knew that it could it could lead to something. Oh yeah, they knew it could lead to something because the cameras and if are there it all didn't, the time. Zeke was a compelling character. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's just it. He was a compelling character on TV, but I mean, they had to have known that. Oh well, that's something that might come they, out. You know, but I mean, even. And not even in a manipulative way like this, but like in a way that we could have some sweet, intimate moments on Survivor where these people are making these deep human connections and he's coming out. And it could be a social justice yeah. triumph story, not yeah. a betrayal story. But that's what it was, a betrayal story. Uh, it was story. a complete betrayal. And, I mean, Jeff Farner may come back to Survivor again, but and he's I never, never going to get another gig anywhere else, though. No, I mean, that's just... that's un, even. I think even people who are are against, like, not like crazy, you know, backwoods Trump people, but like regular people who mm-hmm. just don't understand. don't understand it, don't really agree with it because based on their faith values, would be like, that's garbage. Why would you do that? Yeah. That's not how you handle anything. Right. But that's the, the, but the fun part was Jeff Probst, the host, said, um, well, is there really any need to go to, to the vote? <laughs> I did see. I and, didn't see that happen. I heard about that, and they, they were really just like, "No," and so he's like, "So we're all in agreement that it's Jeff Varner tonight." And they were like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Get over here, Jeff. Your tribe is spoken." <laughs> I, and I mean, I'm like, and ah. God bless Jeff Probst one for being of sound mind and sensitive enough to the situation because you know there are some people out there who don't know what who would not know how to handle that and right. would make complete asses and make it worse than it right. already was. Well, and 34 seasons cuz they do two seasons per television season. Like in the fall like they America's do a season. Like America's Next Top Model. Yeah. They do <laughs> season one season in the fall, one season in the mm-hmm. spring. So there's been 34 seasons now. And so Jeff's really kind of navigated this he knows. He's, yeah. he's There's not a situation you could get into, I don't think, that Jeff would not be um, would not be comfortable with. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean he has the tact to handle a situation. Well, and that's the thing. Like, Zeke, at the end, he rose like a phoenix. Oh, that means he's guaranteed to win. I, that, that's so, what I'm thinking. But, I looked at Ethan I mean, when we were watching, and I said, how can this, how can Zeke not win now? Okay. Like, how can he not? Because that's the thing. He's gone to... Because when you have a tie at tribal council, you have to make fire. And he's made fire. Mm-hmm. And he stayed because he made fire out of bamboo. Oh, you this meant literal is, fire, not metaphorical fire. No, no, no yeah. Fire! Yeah. Like, if there's, a, if there's a gridlock, you have to make fire. It just sticks together. And, like, you have this rope. You have this string. Oh, it has to And the walk. fire has to get high enough to break the to string. Burn. Okay, I have seen and, that and the, and the flag flies up. And Zeke did that. Like, it's not just, like... He's not like he survived the social issue. He survived. Oh, Benny bit you? <laughs> not really. He just oh. his mouth on me. Sorry. Oh. I was petting him and he didn't like it anymore. Oh, yeah. Cats love to be petted for exactly I, 7.2 seconds. I bought him his only toy when he was he in did. that sad apartment. He still, and he loved, we bought him another mouse that matches that one that you got. Is it good enough? Loves it. He lost it somewhere, though. We're going to find it for him. But anyway, but yeah, so he, like, he's he's already done the physical. Mm hmm. He's strong in challenges. He's str- he's I mean, a he's sweet... made it to what the final three. I don't so think three we're or quite four. there. There's one, two, I, I... three, four, five. He's on the fifth one. There are five of them now. Okay, because there were six, I... and now there's five. So I... when I saw the video of it happening, I just saw, counted four faces: Jeff Farner, two women, and Zeke. Right. There's but... three women. Oh. There's three women now. So, um, and no Jeff Farner, but another guy. 
Mm. So there's, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know how he's not going to win because, I mean, he, they may try to get him out because of this. Because a couple of seasons ago, Joe was the sweetest, the kindest. He was very soft, but soft in the right places, but tough in the right mm-hmm. places. He was good in challenges. He did not make enemies. He was always winning. And so they voted him out. So that because they're like he's gonna win. So they may do that to Zeke True. to get him out because he's guaranteed. And but to me that is an acceptable move. Oh, it's strategic. to make for strategy. Outing someone as a trans person is not. No, it's classless. So that's that's garbage. That is garbage. But like you said, we've all outed people. I was 18. You were 16. We were... But you didn't even out them. No, I just just did the manipulative, oh, you lied to me about your sexuality thing. And I was just like... You used harsh language to describe it. I outed people, but Well, and again, it was one of the few things in my friendship with Alex that I deeply regret. Right. But it was just... And again, it was that stupid teenager being funny. And it was through... Okay, this is how dated it was. It was through... AOL Instant Messenger. Uh-huh. That's how dated it was. That's how we old we are. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. And again, we were just texting, joking, mm-hmm. and it was, and I said it, and I was like, oh, this is funny because well, we're close enough. No, it's still not funny. And that's something you have to go through because there's the thing where you accept it and then you sort of make yourself at home within it yeah. and use, like, comfortable... Like, I'm comfortable enough that, you know, it's, I can make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. And stuff. But then you mature into sort of this space where you can joke about certain mm-hmm. things, but there's certain things you just need to have that. And you need to go... And, and that's the thing. You're an ally. That's... I mean, that is for sure. Yeah. You would be considered an ally for the LGBTQ community. and But you've gone through that. But Jeff Varner, as... 51 should have gone through that. And oh, known you'd better. think, especially being in the South, you would know. Right. I mean, I think but, he, but that, but that's the thing. At the bottom line, that's a, that is an attribute that permeates through all of humanity, which is self, self, just selfishness. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's just a, a, a self preservation yeah. above all else. Oh, yeah. Even when you're in a game to win a million dollars, when let's, Face it. If you get a million dollars, it's not a million. You gotta it's, pay taxes. It's like sixty six thousand after taxes. Right. And if you and if you're if you're living in New York City, that'll go for what six months of rent. Maybe some dinner. Uh, <laughs> right. Maybe a dinner and, and a show and six months of rent, and you're good. But yeah. So that's just no. that's obscene. It, yeah. It, okay. So I am gonna go grab a snack. And then when we get back, I want to talk about Sesame Street. I want to, it was my, Sesame Street was my idea. Right, I was about to say, Sesame Street was your, um. I'm about to go on a really long tangent issue. about. Let's do it. Okay, I got a cup of coffee and I got another snack. We're good to go. Eating your waiting Cadbury eggs. Oh my god. Well, for Lent, I got over, I got, I did not do any kind of, I, I didn't do no sweets because I have had Pop-Tarts and stuff like that, but I didn't do. <laughs> Pinky out. <laughs> Pop-Tarts. <laughs> no, um, I didn't do cake, I, cake, candy, ice cream, or cookies, or donuts. But brownies were okay. Oh, I didn't eat brownies, though. I didn't do it. Oh, good. So, just like any of the, like, desserty, like, sweetie snacks. Mm-hmm. So, last night after the vigil, I just, I ate a lot of that that Easter bunny cake. Um, so, yeah, you were telling me about um, 
about Sesame Street, and then Sesame I saw Street. it on The View, too, but you, you told me about it first when it yeah. was... Uh, I'm like... They've, Intra- I sobbed, like ugly cried. They've introduced a new character. They have Julia, and it is oh my god, I ugly cried because so I. So her name is Julia. Yeah. Okay. And she's a four year old with autism, and to me, I've like had self identity issues because with my anxiety and depression, I've kind of had that oh my god, maybe there's more to it than just anxiety and depression because right. I am. As a, I was like, ter- I don't like being touched. I don't like loud, crowded no- spaces mm-hmm. or loud noises. I'm very sensitive to like a lot of ex- excessive energy in the area. Well, air. and that's and that's what we found out about autism. Not we, like me. I'm you not. A, I'm not. Autism. A, I'm not in the medical community. But that's what the medical community has found out about autism is that there is a, a spectrum. Right. And as time goes on, the spectrum sort of gets a lot, a bigger and bigger and bigger, right. till we find out that more and more people might actually be yeah. on it. Well, and the flip side is like I've had this. I've been in therapy with the same therapist now for it'll be. F- Five years in June, I've been with my therapist for my anxiety, and she talked. I, I even mentioned it to her, and she said, "Well, actually, like sensitivity to noise, touch, and all that is also signs of ADHD, anxiety, depression. I mean, right it's here. all sorts of stuff. It's yeah. not just autism. There's well, more to it than that." Well, and I don't want to say that I'm, I'm comparing you and me, oh, yeah, not you and me to autism. Oh. I don't want to say that autism is the same as you and me, but when you have because I have ADHD and a touch of OCD, mm-hmm. and you have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a, this is what I've learned through my sort of mm-hmm. research and doctors and all this, that when you have a mental disorder like we have, mm-hmm. different times in your life, different situations, it'll manifest itself. Because oh, yeah. I, it had, I never had uh, anxiety, but then when I moved to New York, it became crippling anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's what autism is, but I'm saying that that's our, yeah, and our, our commu- yeah. common thread is that that it does. It manifests yeah. in ways that might even look a little autis- on autistic scale. Yeah. What is it? The, the spectrum. Autism spectrum. There yeah. we go. Well, and what they loved with this is I watched, first I watched the little four-minute segment that went viral on YouTube about... Because that's what the lady said on The View, that they started it as a digital before they it was a, brought her... She was like in books and stuff yeah. first. And then they created the puppet. So the puppet was introduced and it was this little scene with Big Bird and Elmo and... I can't remember. The little, she was dressed as a fairy. She was really cute. Um, oh, that's Zoe, I think. Zoe. Yeah. yeah, they were all like hanging out and Big Bird was trying to talk to Julia. She wasn't responding and Alan, the actor character, was like, oh, well, that's just Julia. You know, they kind of discussed it and Big Bird was taking her behaviors personally yeah, and stuff and then she kind of, it worked out, well, the, and of course, I ugly cried the first time I watched that because mm-hmm. then I watched the 10 minute version on YouTube, which everyone needs to watch, which is when they started where they were talking about finger painting and she was sensitive to the f- being hands being dirty. She so that's why she was painting with a paintbrush. Oh, so she didn't like her yeah, hands being that's dirty. Why I haven't seen that. I need to go watch that. It is, it is. I mean it is and then they were playing a game and she was they're talking about how she plays differently, but sometimes it's fun, you know. Yeah. All this stuff. And then she had there were sirens and she had a noise aversion and freaked mm. out and had to go walk away to a quiet space to recollect herself yeah. and did like deep breathing exercises. And again, th- that was so like emotionally mm-hmm. affecting to me because that was me in a nutshell. That right. As a child, I watched fireworks from inside because I couldn't do the noises. But I they bothered me too a lot. So. Um, so, but doing that and talking about the deep breathing and it would to me that was just a profound moment because these are this is a kids show and yeah. if you can not dumb it down, but if you can put it in a language that kids understand, right. 
It makes such a well, difference. Well, that's the thing. We are finding out, and we should have known it bef- a long time ago, and we've known it for a while, mm-hmm. that there's no reason to lie to no. a child. There's no reason to, to... There's always information that you can give about any situation to any child of any age. There is an amount of information you can give to them, and that's wonderful that Sesame Street is oh, doing yeah. that. And they've always been progressive. They have another character whose father's in jail. Really? I haven't seen a sketch of it, but I've read about it. And to me, this is why Donald Trump's afraid of it, because educating the children is terrifying. Of course. <laughs> I mean, they're, but, when you let the children be yeah. educated, they might overthrow you from your throne. Exactly. And it's so... And they use language that was so smart. And then the back thing, the behind the scenes I watched that I love even more, is the puppeteer has a child on the autism spectrum. Really? Julia's puppeteer as first-hand basis. So she so can really, she knows what she knows would what and would not is. be. Well, and that's what I was wondering. Have you heard, have you seen anything on, like, autism communities response to it? I did because I have a teacher whose daughter's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we're friends on Facebook. And she, to me, from what I, she didn't make it a in-depth post up, but she shared it. She was very emotionally reactive to it. Right. Because it is... Sensitive, and they use smart language, like they say. For Julia, autism is this because it is so diverse. It well, is so. That's wide. what the, the. I forget what it is. It's some. She had a big long title. She was on the View. I think it was like the sort of cultural. Per, I don't know. She had a long title, but she was on the View, and she said from Sesame well, Street. Yeah. And oh yeah. She said, <laughs> she said whatever. Well, as they always say in the autism community, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child yeah, with autism. Yeah, it's so different, and that's because everybody is different, and there are like you said, there's a spectrum. Yeah. And we do find, they have found out that behavior and diet and certain other things can contribute. And a lot of times, and I get this from my mother, if you can put, like, if I can identify my, like, you know me well enough to know if I'm not taking my anti-anxiety medications, Mm -hmm. you can see the difference because you know me. Right. And you see me at my worst and my best. And since you can put a label with it, you understand how to receptive of it, which is what kids need. If you can say to children... Julia is this way because she has autism, and for her, that means she doesn't like getting her hands dirty, and she doesn't like loud noises, and she doesn't Mm -hmm. like eye contact, whatever it is, then they go, oh, okay, move on. Like, I remember I had an encounter with a group where a new person came in, and they had autism, but no one spoke of it, so we didn't understand his behaviors, Mm -hmm. and we weren't hateful or rude. We just didn't know what it, we didn't know what was going on. And I think that sets both both the person with autism and the per- people without yeah. autism up for an eventual either disappointment or self-consciousness. Yeah. Because you don't know how to, you know, we don't know how to make it do things the way you want it, want it to be done mm-hmm. and we don't understand how you're reacting to us. And once everyone knew, it was very easy and accepting. We understand, again, this was when we were teenagers, so selfish teenagers can be a little hard-headed. Right. But everyone... Oh, so it was a little older. You weren't... Yeah, we were like middle school, high school. Yeah. I think I was driving at that time. I don't remember. But it was once we understood... Like my mother told me and we went... Oh, okay, that's great. You know, and then we're like, now we know what it, what's go, well, how to interact and not alienate you, mm-hmm. and how to understand that. Oh, this is just how you like to hang out, which is fine. Right. Well, and that's the thing we need. I mean, if we can teach children to to just be open to people, mm-hmm. but you have to give them the the tools and the resources and to be kids open aren't to dumb. everyone. Well, and that's the. I think too, all children want to love all children. Is what yeah. I feel. I feel like all children want to love all children. Like my friend had 
Uh, well, she has a daughter, but she had an encounter because where I grew up, she's being raised where I grew up, and where I, in my community where I grew up, there's not any people of color mm-hmm. at all, and that's not, you know, that is an issue all in itself. But there are none, and so mm-hmm. the children being raised here, they don't, they can't help that that they weren't raised around people. Mm-hmm. So she told me about her first. Um, encounter with a person of color and she said and she was trying to tell her mom what uh who who she was talking about and she goes which girl sweetie and she said that girl that girl over there with the pretty brown skin oh and it was just like that's endearing you know and it's just like she didn't know but children don't know to differentiate they just think well she's just got pretty brown skin and i remember hearing a story one time um, where uh, a girl had, is it vitiligo? Vitiligo, that's the skin pigmentation. The skin pigmentation. She said, oh, you're so lucky. And she said, why? And she goes, because God made you with two colors. Oh. And it was just like, children don't register that. They don't that. register that there's something wrong with it right. until you teach you them You teach that. them that there's something right. wrong with and it. That, well, I remember like, Again, at learning, growing up at the swimming pool, trying to learn how to swim, mm-hmm. um, the first time I encountered a biracial girl who looked very African-American, and her mother was obviously very white, and I remember kind of looking at my mom like, that's her mom, but they look so, and my mom's like, oh, well, she, I, her mom's white and her dad's, you know, black, and I went, uh, oh, okay, you know, and yeah. then you're like... Oh, okay. And see, I have a very, very dear friend of mine that I was raised from birth, basically, knowing um, a friend who has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so my mother and her mother were really great friends, and they both taught me uh, from an early age how... You know how to just mm-hmm. interact with mm-hmm. with people who have different needs mm-hmm. than I do, and that was so. I mean, that's something that again I, I discussed on the very beginning of the podcast that I was raised differently than people around yeah. me in a weird way because I was smack dab in the middle of a place that with children who probably wouldn't know how to right. handle someone who's different like that. But the thing is, there's a difference between like skin color mm-hmm. and and like vitiligo or or something like that, or, you know, whatever, than behavioral stuff. Behavioral stuff, you need to give kids resources. And I think that's so wonderful that Sesame Street's doing that. And not only are they giving kids with, you know, neuro, I guess I believe it's called, the the term uses neurotypical brains, or neurotypical neurotypical behavior, I think is the Mm -hmm. right term. You know, it's also giving children with autism, because kids with autism still watch TV. Kids with Down syndrome right. still watch TV. And it's to see someone who look, who behaves like you, it's comforting because then mm-hmm. you're not alienated from the world because it's not like there may you may go to a school where there's one one or two autistic right. children or none. Well, you and know? you know what, though? The two, because we grew up in an era that when there's someone in our grade that has autism mm-hmm. or Down syndrome or something like that, they're taken out of the classroom mm-hmm. and taken to special classrooms mm-hmm. to so that they can they can have the resourced learning that they that they you know need yeah. to help them get where they're going. But if we had a society that just understood that these people are among us, mm-hmm. we might all rally together and help mm-hmm. together and there could be more of a communal, Classroom that allows for them to get the special need they need, mm-hmm. special help they need when they need it, and then still be in that social thing. Because the downside of taking them out of the classroom 
when to give them the help that they need that mm-hmm. people our age experienced is that we didn't know they were there. Right. A lot of times or, we don't know because once they're gone, they're gone. Because yeah. children are very out of sight, out of mind. That's yeah. why Peekaboo is such a Exciting amazing game. game to these kids. Because <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she disappeared and then she's here yeah. again. And so that and that really is the way that children's minds work. That yeah. we don't because we know that at this point in the day, so and so's here. But when they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Well, it might, and you know, engage the empathy chip back into a society just oh, a for little bit. Out loud, like yes. it's not a. If you're like, we've become so. If you're not like us, you're against us, or you're bad. That was interesting. Sorry, Kyle just licked the cup, and it was a little weird. And I'm <laughs> the gonna cup, add, the coffee was going to run down and get the cup <laughs> sticky, so I had to lick it. Um, you know, we've forgotten how to. <laughs> behave, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way. And because you don't need to, if just because someone's not like you doesn't mean they're dumb or they're wrong or they're what, right. whatever negative term you want to use. That's not necessarily, the, that's not the case. I mean, sometimes there are evil people in the world and you can be evil in any skin color, right. any mental health capacity. You can still, you know, but you can still learn at a young age to be empathetic, to be understanding and to, and patience. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, you can your friends or your can be different. I mean, there have been many a times, and again, I think I identified mostly when Julia had the panic attack, you know, nervous episode with the noise and had to leave. Because there have been many a times I've had to leave fun things or mm-hmm. just said, I can't go. Well, and you that's know? something that even me, us as adults, when we met. That was something that was a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. But now, I made you turn around the car multiple times right. to drop me back off at my dorm. We're just, yeah, it's just, I mean, and that's the thing that, like, and even on this trip, I've seen stuff start to, I, I know you well enough mm-hmm. now that I know when things are bubbling. Mm-hmm. And I can see that in you. And because you're my best friend, I know what behavior I need to take on. Because I'm a big personality. And, That's an understatement, darling. And so, but I know exactly how far to go, and because there are with with everybody, there's mm-hmm. a tough love factor mm-hmm. that comes with it, where you know what tough love or what you know, you know, pushing someone off the high dive mm-hmm. of certain situations mm-hmm. is acceptable when it's not, and yeah. you and I know that 100 percent with yeah. each other, but. We need to have a language where children can know that with mm-hmm. each other, but and and where the boundaries are. Mm-hmm. That when someone says that's not okay with me, then it, it's we should not okay. we should just be like, oh, I don't want to do anything that's not okay with that right. person, and that's it. Yeah. And to me, I'm, and not bring all these selfishness or you or, have to go hug grandma or she doesn't or you don't love her. Type, right. It's you like know. you just don't do that. Yeah. If you if you can't interact how you want to interact with this person, love them enough to find a different interaction yeah. with them that works for you too. Yeah. So I mean, that's I, Julia. I I, I can't love wait it. to see where they're. I mean, because to me, what's going to be even better is when she is. Fully integrated into the show, mm-hmm. and then the story is not going to be about her autism, but her autism will be still be present in her mm-hmm. skits. There will probably still eventually have to be times where you know she's going to have to take a break, or where she's going to say, "I don't want to do that right. because I don't want to get my you know." I can't remember. If she didn't, well, and a know. lesson that might be taught is that sometimes the game we're all going to play is not the game we all thought we were going to play it's because be it different. doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, and that's called 
empathy. And being an adult. And just being <laughs> being a mature person who yeah. can accept that you're not always going to get your way. Yeah. So. I'm excited and because I, again, I, there was so much parts of myself and my past with my, dealing with my anxiety, depression, that I saw in the character that I was like, oh my God, I may not be autistic, but there are pieces here that mm-hmm. would still apply to kids with anxiety right. or ADHD or just incredibly introverted and terrified of the world, you know? I mean, at the bottom line, I think we're all on some sort of spectrum from time to time. I mean, even Ethan and I talk about it, I'm an extrovert mostly. Versus, mm-hmm. I mean, in New York, though, I'm more of an introvert than I've ever been in my life. But when I'm, when I have more relaxing space, mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert and Ethan's an introvert. And we even talk about that spectrum together. Yeah. That how, you know, and we've had those talks where it's like, I get that this is uncomfortable mm-hmm. for you, but I really need you to find your comfort within somewhere mm-hmm. here. Um, because that was a thing. And I, uh, we had to talk about, like, when I would introduce him to new people, sometimes he would um, have body language that was very <laughs> unwelcoming. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't help that people think you're not interested in them, but you look not interested <laughs> in them. So I need you to really work with me. I'm mm. going to have a respect. And that's that's where we came to. Yeah. Was that it's like, I need you to have faith that I'm never going to put you into a situation that you don't mm-hmm. want to be in. And I know that. But I need you to also have faith that if we are in a situation and it gets to a place where you'd rather just leave, we're leaving mm-hmm. because... That's how it is. Yeah. Because I love, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that's how, and so. I just went and saw one of my friends in Birmingham, and um, I cannot, ever since I left college there, I do not like being there unless I'm with, unless I'm within walking distance to my car. Mm-hmm. And it's a very odd, specific thing, but we met at her apartment before we were going to go shopping and she said I can't remember did I ride with you there was something about the car and I said mm. I have to drive myself and you have to drive yourself it's just my part of being part of my life right. you know exactly. um, and it's very it, because if you need to make a quick getaway and you need to drop someone off that's oh, not gonna work yeah if I need to leave because I think the because city's are, about to cave in right. I want to be out of there. You, are, you are still in control if you're driving and her yeah but then you're still gonna have to I gotta drop go her back off to, yeah I gotta go back to you her gotta house. be able to get a make a getaway and, and be why, in control I'll never live in this city because the drivers here, I don't care if they're Uber or taxi, they're crazy and terrifying. And the subway, I can't get off while it's moving. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You can't stop whenever you want. I can't get off and walk back home if I want to. Exactly. So, yeah. But I think the character, again, I look forward and I hope for the love of PBS and public everything. And HBO And HBO, all, whatever free offers that the government's trying to take away because PBS is bad. It survives online or something because it's so valuable to kids and even adults, I think, can learn something. Mm -hmm. And I I think since it is on HBO now... Too, I think there's probably more adults than we realize watching Sesame Street just because there is a tactile sort of like I sometimes I watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on YouTube because it's just like it takes you back and it's a simple (laughs) 
You wonder what I watch it's on YouTube. Simple Joy. What do you watch on YouTube? Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> oh, <laughs> on Nickelodeon. I'm now old enough show. to watch that show and not be scared. So. Well, there was the. Ta- do you remember the Tales of the Crypt? Vaguely. Well, they had the Tales of the Crypt, which was a night show, mm-hmm. and then there was a Tales of the Crypt Keeper, which was like a cartoon version for young kids. In the Beetlejuice cartoon. Uh, I used to watch the Beetlejuice cartoon all the time in the morning before oh. my we would go to school, but. Anyway, I look forward to as we always do. We're digressing, but with Julia, I really, I really I'm look excited to- and I'm proud. And again, I need to figure out when they're going to air the ki- the child that's father's in prison because that is even right. I, this oh, is that a new one? That's too? another new character that's oh, okay. coming out, and it's again, it's. V- Something people who are fortunate enough not to have relatives in prison don't have to think about. Well, and that's and the thing. you got to push it to the forefront. There, that's another, I mean, that's a little more delicate of a situation because people should be able to talk about things that's going on in their lives mm-hmm. no matter what. I don't, I, I hesitate to say without shame, but. It, yeah. I, I hesitate, but, you know, it's like. You need to be able to own your truth. Yeah. That's another part of growing up. But I can't wait to see where Julia goes. And I think I'm learning as I get older that you can't save the world single-handedly, but you can sort of set something in motion that might contribute yeah. to be to a bigger cause one day. And oh, I yeah. think Julia is something that could contribute to this society being a little more accepting mm-hmm. and see... and Because... And Somebody who has autism in a lot of ways might be invisible to people who don't are not aware of that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Julia brings people out of the invisibility space yeah. for other people. And if you haven't seen it, please go to Sesame Street's YouTube page because it's all there along uh, with the background stuff, which to me was the icing on the cake, learning right. about the puppeteer, learning how she came about. Mm-hmm. That even makes it more believable and tangible that the mission is good and that the right. edu- and that the education to get that far has been taken. Right. Before we go, something that I want to do is, um, I, I've heard this on other podcasts and I've heard, um, and I just, I've always done this in my personal life. I have recommended things and we, that's what you do. You read a book, you pass it along, you watch a show, you get all your friends involved in it so that y'all can discuss it and whatever. So what, something I wanted to do was give recommendations, of maybe little known things or maybe mainstream things that people haven't started doing. Whatever. Whatever you find that's interesting. I, I could go on for hours with stuff that I find. <laughs> okay. Well, you go first. Okay. Since so. we're talking about autism, I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever got to watch this. One of my absolute favorite movies is starring Adam, Alan Rickman and Sigourney Weaver. About combine their name. It's called Snow Cake and it is a phenomenal movie and Sigourney Weaver has autism in that movie and it is so well done. It is so moving. I wrote a college paper on it and it's probably the best paper I've ever written so in my life. it's pretty old because Alan Rickman's dead. Well, way to bring down the level of joy. Whoops. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Do you have oh, another oh, one? I'm just gonna, I yeah, you're going back and forth. One. Okay. Um, that's alright. That's our first show. We'll figure it out. If you love beauty YouTubing, which I live for, 
Stephanie Nichols, but YouTube page is amazing. She is a no-nonsense person. She doesn't care who she offends. If she doesn't like your product, she's going to tell you she don't like your product. Get it. I love her. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Of course. The new and season. then my other... I'm on An the, Alabama Queen's on there this time. An Alabama Queen, Trinity Taylor. I'm Trinity Taylor. I've seen Trinity Taylor perform live many times. I'm going to root for her to win because Alabama needs some notoriety oh gosh, in the LGBTQ community. Definitely. But some no, positive. That's the thing. I, Trinity Taylor has, uh, to me, perfected the art of the spoken word drag performance. Oh, because she—I mean, it, she acts. She's Meryl Streep. If Meryl Streep had a penis and a corset, <laughs> uh, I mean, she's just so gorgeous. Wonderful. I mean, she—I can't say enough wonderful things about her. Um, so, something that I want to recommend that it might be a little weird. I love to follow old people. Just around the building, like no. <laughs> just <where? laughs> in the grocery store, you know, what what are we doing here? I mean <laughs> on um on Wikipedia. So my person you, can, you mean like research people. My person that I and it's more than research. My person that I would go to her Wikipedia page at least once every two or three days was Zsa Zsa Gabor because uh. she was a hundred years old. <laughs> And I was rooting for her to live longer than her mother, and bless her heart, she could not make it through 2016. That that year just took them all out. Took them all. Just take everybody. Um, do, you, yeah. do you want to know? Sometimes if my mom's being a diva, diva my dad calls her Zsa Zsa. Really? I can see that. Because your mom is so matter-of-fact about the things she finds absolutely ridiculous. So, um, But now she's, she's dead. She's going to murder me. My not, mom's your mom, not, not your mom. Not your mom. Zsa But my mother's going to murder me when she knows I shared that. I've heard him call her Zsa Zsa before. Okay, so then it's not that secret. I didn't remember it. So no, thanks, you for, did. thanks for bringing that back to my frontal cortex. But um, now the person I'm following on Wikipedia is um, Kurt Douglas. He's pretty old, too. He's pretty old. He's, He's old. up there. I want him to do another acting role, though. Like, something just from a wheelchair. Like, you know, phone it in. Whatever. You're old. Yeah. You can do that. He could just be a villain in a wheel- wheelchair. <gasps> oh, that would be so much fun if he could be a villain. Now, Zsa couldn't do that because, girl, she had some... Do, no, but we didn't really know if Zsa was 100 because she didn't ever reveal her true age. Well, yeah, that's true. But she was up there. Oh, and that leads me to another recommendation okay. that would that will endlessly entertain mm-hmm. you. Um, Zsa, Zsa Gabor on the Phil Donahue show. You can find it on YouTube. These women, they, like, I don't know, Phil Donahue, Oprah is everything to me, but Phil Donahue, he introduced <laughs> this sort of audience participation situation, mm-hmm. and these women would stand up and tell Zsa, Zsa oh, you are bad. <laughs> Something. I don't remember what they said, but I just remember Zsa, Zsa would say, my love, you are so jealous of a beautiful woman. I've never in my life been jealous of a beautiful woman. That's why you're being so mean to me right now. You're being jealous. Three snaps and, and information. Like, she like she'll fight anybody. The girl. I mean, she went to jail for slapping a cop. Well, hello. All our dreams have come true. All I will ever want to do in life is go to jail for slapping a cop. Listen, you could do that pretty easily nowadays. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, one last one that I love, and this is my bizarre I clean the house doing this um there is a YouTube channel called female killers and it's basically episodes of snapped um or longer versions of documentaries about women who kill and my current favorite one because that's not creepy hold enough. on you have a favorite killer no just a favorite documentary on the killer oh 
okay. taking it down a notch. Um, it heard, it's the documentary on Mary Bell, who was who lived in the um, Great Britain, and it would ha- her incidents happened in the 60s and 70s. It's a very fascinating story because she was a kid. Um, so if you ever like dark, creepy, sad things, you go to that. Or I need to get my phone because that my Instagram page I follow that I love is a pathologist assistant, so I get to see gross uh, pathology things all the time. I love it. It is so fascinating. I swore I took geology and physical science in college because I swore I'd never be in the medical field, but now like mm-hmm. I follow a pathologist assistant on Instagram and she's amazing. Right? Gonna, there you go. I'm actually gonna grab my phone to tell you that page. Do it. It is Mrs. and Jimmy. It's M R S underscore A N G E M I and her stuff is fascinating and is medical based, so it's not a gross factor just for the sake of it. Uh. I am obsessed. And now I know a lot more about gallstones than I ever thought I would. (laughs) Okay, on that note, I am going to sign off. But first, let me just remind you that we do appreciate iTunes reviews and comments. They help. A five-star review sends me straight to the top. And that's going to help me out because there are more than one shows on iTunes called We Need to Talk. But this will be your favorite talk ever. Also, follow me on Instagram at kyle.l.henderson or follow me on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson. And you can also go to the website, kyleleonhenderson.com, for all the information on the show. And where can everyone follow you? If you care enough, my Instagram is sadiemay57. That's S-A-D-I-E-M-A-Y 57. It was a childhood nickname. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I don't tweet, but if you care enough to see my obscure, very rare tweet, it's Sarah Cat Cooper. Sarah with an H. Party. Cat with a C. Cat with a C. Cooper with a C-O-O-P-E-R. Ha ha. Yes. And that is the very first show of We Need to Talk. So thanks for talking with me. You're welcome. I hope you don't get kicked off the air. Me too. Well, I'm not getting paid, so I don't think anybody will be mad about this. I'm not getting paid for this. Okay. Well, until next time. Oh.